Okay, I'm ready. Let's do this. <laughs> All right. So, Carrie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Kenford. I'm excited. I'm so so. I'm very thankful for you, first of all, because this was you were the first person I ever emailed. You know, from the moment this sprouted as like an idea to putting it into action, like you were the first person I reached out to. I am honored. And That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. And then to get that yes, you know, it, it's just it's a game changer because you need to get that yes makes you like, oh, I can do it because someone accepted the invitation. I can get this ball rolling. And then once that happened, everything just kind of fell into place. And I've filmed five, six episodes now. And so it was all because of that one permission slip from you. So I just want to... That's a little confidence booster right there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, gosh, no, I'm honored. This is so cool because I think that... um no, you're the knowledge that you have and just how you've, you know, interacted in that in my private community. It, it, it's just going to be fun to talk to someone like you. So I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get into some very interesting things today because there's a, I like to connect communities. There's the quantum biology community, there's a spiritual community. And today I want to focus on the quantum biology community. And you've said this in a couple of your Instagram posts. So, I think for the three-legged stool in this community, right? Light, water, magnetism. Very important, foundational. But there's something that you've brought up a couple times that I don't I haven't seen you talk about much in detail. And that is love, right? And in my opinion, if you have that three-legged stool, I think love is like the umbrella that encompasses it all. And so you put up a quote by by Heisenberg, if I can like read it right now for the listener. It is the first gulp from the glass of natural sciences will turn you into an atheist, but at the bottom of the glass, God is waiting for you. Now I don't wanna, you know, ideology, you can throw that stuff out, but I wanna point to I wanna in, have you introduce yourself in a way like you the way you grew up i don't know if you were religious when you grew up or you had something but i can imagine that you were very you are still very scientific in your in your process but there was some point along your journey where you realized there's something more than just the sciences there's something truly amazing driving all this and then it just clicked for you and then you somehow realized love is so powerful as foundational as the three-legged stool we talk about. And so if the body is like the radio, our consciousness, who we are as people, we're like the radio station. And so it's two components that we need to hone. And if we're just focusing on our body, but we're kind of loveless in our life, then it kind of makes the whole thing not pointless, but you cap yourself quite a bit. So that's like the subject I want to get into. I think it'd be fascinating to get in with you. So why don't you go ahead and provide some context and add the little, you know, seasoning of what your beliefs were and how it transitioned from from science into eventually realizing something behind it. But yeah. awesome. I love it. Yeah. So you know, I was raised in a religious environment, very religious family. Um, and what, but I want to call it an open-minded religious family in terms of there was nothing ever really dogmatic about it, but we did go to church. You know, I grew up, you know, believing in God. I still believe in God. Um, you know, my opinion in terms of what we can call God is, you know, has definitely expanded. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and yeah, I, I appreciate that because it gave me a background as I was sorting through science to kind of you know, like, like, you know, just a, another, another aspect of my thoughts in terms of, okay, what is this saying about God or creation or, uh, mm. you know, an all encompassing energy, a, you know, a divine intelligence. And when I was first in college, I, my very first science class was genetics and we read a bunch of, a bunch of books by uh, Richard Dawkins. 
uh, you know, climbing Mount Improbable, basic, basically books that were just that, that, you know, basically said, if you believe in God and science, you're stupid <laughs> is a very, is my general summary, you know, there. And so I was, you know, so I, I, you know, went to my genetics teacher, my genetics professor, and I said, okay, why does this have to be mutually exclusive? Why can't these two really, you know, ping off of each other? And why can't, why, why do we have to exclude one in order to, to, you know, believe in the other? And that's the attitude that I had all throughout, even though I was potentially being taught that science was it, right? And, mm-hmm. you know, there was no need to believe in in God or, or in, a, in a greater energy than us. Um, I, uh, I, I never, I never stopped. Right. Um, and I, as I was going in deeper and deeper into science, as I'm certain you have maybe recognized as well, is that when you look at the complexities of life and then you wrap your brain around the fractal nature of everything mm-hmm. and you see this self-similar repeating, um, patterns at all scales, you're just like, whoa. And that's where it was just like this, there has to be an intelligent energy influencing all of this, right? That does not happen by chance. So I really started to, I I really stopped thinking along, along the lines of, oh, you know, random mutation evolution versus there isn't, there isn't influencing energy that the body is interacting with and all life is interacting with at all times to help organize the body into a, a state of what I call coherence. And that's, you know, and, and, and once I realized that, that organizing energy and this really, the, the, the game changer here for me was actually being asked on a podcast by a woman who had had a near death experience. And I heard her, um, I heard her near death experience first, you know, she wanted me to make sure I resonated with, you know, being, being on the podcast and she described going into the afterlife as the feeling of the um, most intense, but beautiful light and love ever. It was just a feeling that she couldn't describe. There was, there were no words to describe that intensity of light and love. And then my buddy, Corey, you got to interview Corey, right? Corey Gasvini, who, um, back in the day when we were teaching uh, some quantum biology courses together he um he said said you got to read this series of books and it's basically the the law of one with oh we'll get into the raw right and that's where they continually refer to that same energy as light love and love light and i'm just like oh gosh that's a missing factor love really is all encompassing and and what what then was a, was ignored in in quantum physics in the early 20th century was this ether that used to be called the luminiferous ether right this light giving source energy um and this uh, and so all that really helped me connect some dots to be like yeah that's a huge missing piece with all of this and and if we're all connected through this light and love then why do we spread hate why do we you know what like that really made me aware of who i wanted to interact with how i wanted to live my life how i wanted to you know uh have people come into my community right like the space that i've been trying to create and it all kind of t- that's those those are kind of all the dots that connected for me. Mm. So through near death experiences, and then Corey introduced you to those books. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, I'd always believed in believed in God, believed it, but you know, the idea of calling God light and love, and of people having that experience of returning to source energy, returning to to God, going to heaven, however you want to call it, as also being light and love it made so much sense to me that there was an organizing force full of love in this world, in this universe. And if we ignore that, we're missing a huge piece in the same way that when quantum physics ignored the ether because they didn't want to account for it in their in their calculations and in their equations, we set quantum physics research back a hundred years. Mm-hmm. So in your, in, your, um, in your point of view, how does love fit into the equation of quantum biology? Because we definitely, you know, put the spotlight on the three-legged stool, right? But I'm sure as you go along, you're going to emphasize it more and more as a foundational thing. So let's say I, I, I live on, I live in the Yucatan. I drink deuterium depleted water. I get sun. I do everything perfectly, but I'm like a bit of an asshole in my day-to-day life. Like this, I'm sure that in of itself would cause distortions in my body. It would Uh, mess up my coherence right so how because if if a if a quantum biology listener or someone who's focused on just like the physical aspects of health they're gonna think oh it's just 
my thoughts and emotions that doesn't really influence it if especially if i'm doing all this right so could you provide like a link you know how that you know non-physical stuff translates physically to where it just caps us yeah so the the link is something that's really not talked about a ton in our you know emerging quantum biology circles which is the biofield and the biofield as this torus of this toroidal flow of energy that expands outside of our physical bodies and then flows back into us and the coherence and the basically information and energy that's in our biofield that flows back into us can either organize the body it's you know neg entropy if you will reducing chaos or it can promote entropy and co- promote chaos. So the one of the biggest contributing um, influences to that biofield is our heart and our heart's magnetic field. And that magnetic field is generated both, yes, by the actual electrical conductivity of the heart. And so for those who aren't aware, whenever electricity is flowing, magnetic fields are created. But what the Heart Math Institute, I think, has done a very, very amazing job at um, educating us in as well is that we can influence the strength, the size, the uh, coherent energy in our heart's biofield, our heart's magnetic field with emotions. And so if we're living in fear or hate or anger or, um, you know, basically very uh, destructive emotions all the time, that energy field and those vibrations circulate back into us and it it influences everything from gene expression to um the state of our cell membranes i mean uh bruce lipton right biology of belief that's been around for a lot i think i read that book maybe 20 years ago right um candace pert molecules of emotion where what the emotions that we're feeling actually crystallize into chemistry in our bodies mm-hmm. And so, you know, when when we look at it that way, it makes sense that what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, the energy that I am putting out is the energy that legitimately is coming back to me. Like, that's what that means. The energy you put out comes back to you because it circulates back into you. And then it can either help to create health and and a vibrant, vital body, or it can slowly start to deteriorate things and create chaos all the way at that tiny, tiny level of the mitochondria where then, you know, that's where uh, really the, the start of a lot of dysfunction can happen. Yeah, if you if you think of the body as hardware and software, your consciousness being software, the software, in this case, in the body, influences the hardware because it's just this one indivisible unit. And so you ought to be cognizant of how you are in your day-to-day life you know, do everything out of out of service, out of compassion. It I know you you mentioned this a few times. It all sounds woo, but in this episode I'm trying to put the practical and the science into woo because I can I think these days people are allergic to that word. (laughs) (laughs) So you kind of have to like walk them through it like, hey, this is a very practical thing. And um, the law of one talks a lot about polarity as like a as a function of the universe. You and there's only two, right? Positive and negative, like a like a magnet. And so it's just it's nothing like touchy feely, soft. No, it's just which function are you choosing and which are you embodying in this in the world you walk in. So I'm curious how you would tell someone who thinks all this is woo, like, what's the, how would you walk someone from woo to, you know, this is practical, this is real, like, this is logical, you know? Well, I mean, there's, I mean, it's, I, I think, I think the way that you people really have to get into this is to recognize that there is this field of energy around us, right? That's the first hurdle I think a lot of people have to get over is that there is this basically, um, it's almost like a plasma, right? Eileen McCusick has done a great job, really. Uh, and a couple of other researchers, Beverly Rubick, right, have done a great job mm-hmm. in kind of starting to characterize this, this field and this flow of energy around us. And the other thing beyond, beyond kind of acknowledging our, what our modern language is calling the biofield, 
I also, we also have to, you know, give credence where it's due because pretty much every ancient culture understood some energy outside of the physical body that informed the physical body, right? Uh, whether it's the aura, whether it's the, um, you know, etheric body, right? There's, it's been called a lot of different names, but the, it's nothing new, right? This has been around for a long time. And the more I go into studying quantum physics, the more in awe I am of the ancient wisdom that that's always been around, right? And we just kind of put it to the side. And at some point in time, we called it woo because we didn't have the science to describe it. Um, and now we're starting to get the science that can describe it. And it just, again, it, it gives me, it just puts me more and more at awe at what was really, truly some amazing knowledge so long ago. Um, so we have to recognize that there is a field of energy outside of the body that influences and informs the physical body. And if you could make that hurdle, then you have to ask yourself and go into, well, what can either strengthen that energy field and what can a distort that energy field. And so more and more is coming out about that as well. I mean, for example, um, I just heard Lloyd Burl, who's big into EM, big into EMFs. Um, and this is funny too. And this is just a little segue, right? Because mm -hmm. I feel like those of us who are studying the body in from this more quantum space, whether it's how non-native EMFs affect us or whether it's what's happening with electron flow in the mitochondria. I mean, to see, to see Lloyd's journey from shield yourself. From, you know, mitigate, mitigate, mitigate not native EMFs to understanding the biofield and harmonizing energy. He's, I mean, he's talking about that more and more. I feel like this is where a lot of us come to. It's like, wait a second. We've been focusing so much on the physical body and, and ignoring this field around us. So it's really fun to see other clinicians or researchers or, you know, uh, influencers who have whatever you want to call it getting into this same space. And I think it's only going to continue to make this more mainstream. But that being said, you know, he was talking about how um, Dr. some of Dr. Rubik's research showed that even holding a cell phone in our hand, let alone when that cell phone goes off, how it actually creates distortion waves in the biofield. It creates like a, a fuzzy signal in the biofield, meaning we're creating a chaotic vibration, a chaotic energy field that then is flowing back through us. Other things that we know from like Eileen McCusick's work that can be distortions in the biofield are trapped emotions or suppressed emotions or traumas. They actually, she's noted that noticed that they can, um, they can actually have different sounds. So her modality of measuring these things is through tuning forks. Um, and I've had several clients with amazing responses when she can actually bring emotions back into resonance, you know? And so that's the whole thing. Like, what is this resonant quality? What is the vibrational quality of your biofield? Um, and so what are you circling back through you? And so now we know that stuck emotions and past traumas can, can affect it negatively. We know that, um, non-native electromagnetic fields can. So imagine the average person who has a cell phone in their pocket at all times and, and now AirPods in all the time. Um, it's just a very distorted, chaotic wave that comes back in. Um, and there, there's, there's other things as well, but so that our heart's emotions, as I said, like what we're physically feeling inside of us affects it also in terms of being able to, uh, create more of a coherent, a coherent resonance versus not. And I truly believe that that's where homeopathy also lies is homeopathy's ability to basically tune one's signature vibration back to the, the, the coherent signal that it's designed to receive. And so, I mean, that's where someone has to wrap their brain around is they have to get into the, get out of the physical body and into the fact that we're being, our physical body is being formed. Yes. By our environment. Yes. By our light. Yes. By earth's electrons and the, the magnetic field of the earth, all of those things. But we also have this, this actual physical field around us at all times. That's also being informed or it contains energy that's informing our physical bodies. And that's my segue into, okay. So. There's this energy that's non-physical that informs our body and shapes our body, but it has to translate it somehow. And I'm pretty sure that the way it translates it is through water. Is that correct? So, yeah, yeah. So I think uh, people will woo on the water has memory thing, but that's been that's been pretty much established. But I think like it's a misnomer. Maybe it's a more, more like scientifically accurate to say that it receives information and holds information. And so, how so? How does the the energy then 
affect the water in my body. So if I'm thinking loving thoughts and I'm being um, a genuine person in my day-to-day life, that's creating coherence in my my water, my easy water. Maybe you can go into like the sounds, the the somatics of it. I'm sure you can take this into a lot of directions, but yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah. Go ahead. Well, you know, I mean, the, the the foundational knowledge that one needs with this is the fact that yes, this can happen with water in a glass as well. It's been proven, right? Water in a test tube, water in a petri dish, all of those things can um, our antenna, like water acts as an antenna. Um, and then the water in our bodies, though, I think is really, really a strong antenna. And there's a reason that water surrounds every single solid surface in the body. So everything that we would call our biological surfaces in our body is surrounded by water. No two physical surfaces really ever touch except mm. through water. And so, um, so that water plays a key role. And I don't know if you've talked about the fact that that water is structured into an exclusion zone, but what that water is, is when, when that, when liquid water is produced in the body. So when what we would consider water in its, in its swirling form in a glass, right? It's, it's really fluid form and like we would see in a glass, that water is produced all throughout our bodies all the time. But when it comes into contact with a biological surface, it automatically organizes itself into a lattice. Um, and this lattice has been termed exclusion zone water by Dr. Jerry Pollack. And, but what, what's important to know about this lattice is all of a sudden the H's and the O's organize themselves into a very organized, structured state, a repeating pattern a honeycomb linkage lattice that's, you know, it's a very good, it's a, it's a very good uh, thought as to what that exclusion zone could be. Uh, I I don't know if it's, it's perfect, but I think that's, that's a very good indication that Dr. Pollock has come up with. But anytime you structure something into a lattice, it takes on properties of a crystal. And that crystal then, because it's not, our bodies aren't hard, right? We're still soft creatures, it's actually a liquid crystal. And those liquid crystals have some amazing properties as well. And so uh, liquid crystals are really well known as, you know, from LCD display technology, right? So liquid crystals actually can transform light, but liquid crystals can also um, be uh, receivers of energy information. They can store energy, they can store information, they can store data. And so think about this. The water inside of us is a receiver for energy and data. And it's being informed just as, uh, just as we have like little tuning radios, you know, antenna inside a radio to tune to different radio stations with, with invisible energy around us, right? There, I don't see radio waves, right? Anyone see radio waves that you could get a radio out right now and tune it to a station? And that's the, all of a sudden information comes through. Mm-hmm. Same thing with our body. As that biofield cycles back through us, we're creating. Um, the, the water is picking up the energy and the information embedded in it. And we, things can change. What changes? The DNA can physically change because DNA is, is surrounded by water. So you could actually get unfolding and, uh, you know, influencing things like transcription, right? Of the DNA. It can influence. So you're, you're influencing gene expression. You're influencing protein folding. And so, uh, you know, even you, you can put a protein in an optimum configuration. And when that protein has that configuration, Things in the body work on vibration, on resonance, right? That resonance now, all of a sudden, a protein that was not in the correct configuration takes the right shape as it vibrates That in that shape. That's a signature resonance that then informs all the other receivers of that specific frequency in the body. That's how hormones work. That's how enzymes work. It's not this locking key docking. It's taking <laughs> on the correct shape and then being able to vibrate the correct tune, if you will. And so basically what's happening is as we provide coherent energy and information to the body, everything comes into tune. Everything starts to communicate better as opposed to if we don't do that, um, that, or, and we have that chaotic information, then yeah, okay. I might have, um, a hormone that's produced, but the, 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 the hormone itself is not emitting the correct frequency because the shape is misconfigured or the receptor that relies on the water to take on the correct shape is not configured correctly. And so communication is lacking. And so you can imagine that what happens to the body when it can't communicate accurately. So yes, there's stuff happening in the physical body, but it's, it's being informed by the energy that comes into the body. 
and that the water is receiving that and li- literally changing the shapes of things in response to it to be better conduct semiconductors of electrons to be to influence gene expression. So many key key things that can happen with that, um, which sounds complex, but at the same time, it's so simple, right? We're we're emitting and also in our environment receiving storing energy in this field that then just informs the body about what's going on and rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. It's happening all the time. And so, yes, can we influence the biofield itself without touching the physical body to to improve health? We can. And that's been shown time and time again with with a lot of different modalities. Um, And so, you know, it's, it's, if, if it was just about my physical body, then Things like Eileen's work, tuning uh, biofield tuning, wouldn't be possible. And the amazing things I've seen, like I've said, it's just uh, you have to open your you have to have to open your brain up to the fact that it's a, it's a huge piece of the puzzle that's missing these days. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's basically materialism. You know, the atom is the the primordial reality. But what I like about the ether model is that it takes a this infinite substance, this essence, not which I to bring it back to what you said in the beginning, light, love, love, light. The ether is like love. It's in, in its essence, you know, the backdrop which everything takes place. And then light is that manifestation. It's where it just vortexes into, I don't know, a proton where it manifests. Because love can't work by itself. It needs to express in 3D time space to to feel what it's like right and so these two work together one is the essence and the other is the manifestation love light light love and so that's why i love the fact that you bring the ether back because it does complete this whole physics model i need a t-shirt right bring the ether back (laughs) yeah quantum physics you know it's really cool but it's very atom centric you could say light centric manifestation centric but there's a there's an essence you know all the manifestations coming from some context that we have no idea about and so how has the ether com- completed uh, the physics for you you know your model of reality how it shapes you viewing the human body as like a fractal down from the universe itself well, you know, first and foremost, um, it, it it made no sense to me how light had no medium through which it traveled, right? It was like, wait a second, that's just that just makes no sense. Sound needs a medium, water has to be <laughs> like, how is it that light can just poof? There you go. And so um for a while there, it, you know, as I was starting to dive into quantum physics and quantum biology, it just I, I just was bothered by that. Mm-hmm. And then I came across, you know, the Mickelson-Morley experiment. I was like, oh, the ether. Sure. So for those people who don't know, the Mickelson-Morley experiment was basically a, an experiment done probably in the late 1800s, maybe early 1900s, that um, that quote unquote debunked the ether because they couldn't essentially measure the influence of the ether in, the, in their particular experiment. Now, mm-hmm. that's where I think from then, from then on, I think science went awry. Because we assumed that we had to be able to measure it in order to be able to prove that it's true. And it's in actuality, we just, we don't have anywhere near the measuring devices we need, right? To be able to be able to quote unquote prove these things. So, so uh, science became very measurement minded and then uh, Mm. quantum physics ignored the ether. Um, And so it just, it's bothersome. As soon as I kind of brought back the ether into the equation, I said, oh, of course, right? Light can't just appear from nowhere. Light has to like exactly like you said, it has to manifest. And I'm of the opinion too. I I don't I don't know if you I don't know if you're gonna want to interview Ken Wheeler at all. <laughs> um, uh, I would love to. Yeah, I bet you would. I mean, but like that's where all of Ken, what Ken Wheeler was would talk about makes sense too. It's that like you know, light is basically just a disturbance of the ether, mm-hmm. a manifestation of the ether itself. And so that's when I recognize that, oh, what was around me and what is made up of me and what is quote unquote empty space inside of me is actually substance, right? It's this primordial 
substance, if you will, right? Um, and and then as all of a sudden I recognize it has fluid dynamics. Mm-hmm. It it behaves like a fluid. And so then I was like, well, of course that it's gonna, it's gonna interact with water, right? Like those two are gonna be in resonance with each other all the time. Hence why we can see Misaro Moto's work, hence why we can see Veda Austin's work. Um, and hence why even things like biogeometry work, like we can use shape to influence what's around us, which then impacts how uh, EMFs manifest, right? And, mm-hmm. and either either create a harm- harmonious electromagnetic field or, you know, one that's maybe more chaotic. Um, but that explains it because if I, I, if, if I use shape, if, of course, shape could influence either. And then that also got, you know, I used to do Tai Chi and things when I was in massage therapy school. And it's like, oh, no wonder what I'm doing. My movement is also influencing this, right? And changing things. And so those are all the dots that really started. It it just brought all the pieces together Mm -hmm. for me in terms of how all of those different modalities and things can happen. It has to happen with the concept of the ether. Without it, none of that stuff makes sense. Right. Yeah, for me, that's what it it brought everything full circle for me too. Because we we tend to focus on, like you said, the, the measurable things. If we can measure it, quantify it, weigh it. But there's also that's linear. That's the linear aspect of of life. That's what science is really good at measuring at. But once you once you like talk about this stuff like frequency, vibration, ether, it becomes nonlinear. And therefore it's harder to measure. It's harder to quantify. And so the the Western mind will, you know, dismiss it. And Absolutely. so but with this conversation, just want to let me let me add into this right here because there's been some amazing research done on this type of stuff um in Russia, right? That just was mm. behind an iron curtain for quite some time, and then most of it wasn't translated. And as it started to get translated, um, it it's some mind-blowing stuff. Like Dr. Kozarev was able to show that his thoughts could influence, he called it torsion fields, right? There's so many names, torsion fields. Time, space, space, time. Like, I mean, we, we, we call it, we basically are the zero point energy. We call it so many different things. Mm -hmm. I like to call it the ether. And he, he, he showed, he literally was able to measure how his thoughts could influence the ether based on how, how thinking something actually translated to the movement of a pendulum. Um, wow. Or, or, or basically a, a, a pencil or something hanging, a stick hanging from a pendulum. And so it's like we, there's so much information out there about it. But then ev- every time I read something like that, I'm like, so of course that brings me back to why my emotions matter. Right. It brings me back to why things like, um, the meditation experiments work when there's a thousand people meditating on peace and harmony in the world. And all of a sudden you see a 75% drop in, in crime. Right. Um, and, and so it's like that, that's when I started to say, okay, my job, my goal in life is yes, to understand the science and to explain the science to people, but to basically turn everything back to love really is a game changer because of how profoundly we can influence so many things through this medium called the ether. When we live in love, when we live in gratitude, when we live in, um, when we live in that space. And I, I think that that's the missing piece. And I think that that could do so much good in the world if we can, you know, kind of center everything back to love and make it sound not woo, bring, bring the science back to love because that's what people need, you know? Uh, in order mm-hmm. to actually, in, in order to actually validate it, but yeah, you know, I appreciate this conversation because it, it's really a, a, the missing factor when it comes to what what we need to um, do to further this discussion in quantum biology. Yeah, there's, there's, it's, it's kind of, it's an all encompassing conversation, really, because it touches on it. It goes beyond like science. It's about life in general. I've, I've just realized like. There's two, there's two aspects, you know, there's the manifest, unmanifest, linear, nonlinear. And when you just go into one dimension, then you make a lot of progress, but then you will miss out on the entire picture. We live on the interface where those two meet and you got to take in both. There's this all encompassing context that never ends. And the finest nuance you could possibly we live in between that. And it's our job to unpack both as much as we can. And the ether, the physics of quality, that's what I'll talk I'll, I'll say. The the shapes, 
like all the, this like emerging field. I don't know, like it's measurable in other ways, but this is why I love um, Dr. Ibrahim Kareem's work, all the energy stuff, you know, it's there. It's manifestable in the sense that we can see its clues, but it's not directly measurable by itself. And this is why I'm sure I've, I've told you in the past, like, Dr. Cruz's work is going to take us so far, but someone's going to retranslate it eventually in order to have it encompass everything. And conversations like these, it's all coming back to this one, this one spiritual reality, right? Where we both, both of us live in this one universe, one reality where we're manifest here physically, but we have forgotten the true essence of where we've come from, the the context from which where we've come from. So it it's nice to talk to you about to, to you who's primarily, you know, you're mainly science based in your content, but I know you have these thoughts in the in the recess of your mind. I do. And you know, I I and I as you know, I openly share this in my community. I have no problem at all with that. Um but and the reason why I think I go a little bit heavier just in the science is to bring people into this first, mm-hmm. right? Um, and to get them to think about the body from a ver- uh, from that tiny, tiny vibrational perspective in things like electrons, gathering electrons, right? There's nothing wrong with a topic like that at all. Um, but once you once you get someone into that and you say, well, what really is happening with those electrons? Well, they're standing waves. What are the, what's informing the standing waves? Well, space, right? Geometry is fucking important. And so you, you start to get people into this idea about waves and energy and fields in a non woo, in the non woo way. <laughs> um, and, uh, or at least that's kind of what I'm trying to, to do. And yeah. then, and then, in, and then that's where, like you said, that's really where the, the deeper understanding of all of this happens. And so, um, yeah, yeah, I, I like it. I like it. And I, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm just barely touching the surface of the, of this type of knowledge. Yeah. Barely scratching the surface. And I'm so excited to learn more and more, um, about it because I think that this, like you said, this is the translation of all the important work that Dr. Cruz has done in, in the physical body. And then we just need to extend it out to in that balanced way to, to the field as well and understand those field interactions too. Both the, both the physical aspect and the non-physical. I bet they're both black holes in the sense that you can go in as long as you want as many years decades as you want but i never feel like you know <laughs> no, like uh i like to look at it from like numbers like you have zero and then you can take that to like 10 quadrillion you can keep increasing that but in concept like, <laughs> never ends <laughs> and you can take that to like zero point the decimals too and so that's like how it reflects conceptually in my mind of, yeah, I can learn all the quantum physics. I can learn all the metaphysics, but will I be able to complete it? No, no, that's a humble pie I've had to take. But the good news is that application on both sides is so simple. It is dumbingly simple like for quantum biology and spirituality. They both manifest into this one, you know, cohesive way. You connect with nature, the physical thing you were made from, and you connect with everyone else where you are all cut from the same cloth. And if you're cut from the same cloth, oh, let's all be loving to each other. Let's all be kind. You know, it's all harmony, you know, and that's not... And eventually we'll realize that to be pragmatic and practical rather than woo. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, that's my hope for sure. And I, you know, what I might start doing more is kind of teaching things like earthing. Because one of the things that earthing does is it actually, the reason why, the reason why you ground an antenna is to th- get static off the line, right? Mm. And so uh, one of the main benefits of earthing is, yes, we're gathering electrons, but also we're clearing distorted signals. We're clearing noise from from the system so that we can be better receivers. And then we can use that information that's in our biofield circling back through us and and basically discard discard the noise and bring the coherence back in. And so if I can start to maybe even talk more and more about that as a 
as it, as this, as this knowledge, you know, just continues to, to expand for me. Um, I think that will, will also make it more uh, tangible for people to be like, oh yeah. Okay. So that, that's makes sense, right? I'm an antenna. I'm grounding the, the, the static, the noise so that I can be a better receiver. And if I'm an antenna, what, what energy and information, what, what frequencies am I basically surrounding myself with or putting, putting back into myself. And so that's where things like go into nature, right? Be it live in love, live in gratitude. Um, it just, all of that stuff, all of that stuff, I think really starts to conceptualize for people when, when you look at it that way. Yeah. And the, especially we need the science these days, the, the population does. And so what we can do is you can play that game like, yeah, do this stuff. It's very scientific. But those are all expressions of love at the end of the day because it's for it's care for your body, right? And so you can just take that baby step and then they'll the penny will eventually drop. Like, oh, this is if if someone's into like health, especially quantum biology, because if you get into the science, you'll see the interconnections. That's that's how it was for me. Quantum biology was like my gateway. I already had like a spiritual background knowledge, but quantum biology was really the what activated my left brain to see like the manifestations of what I already known in my, my right brain. And so you'll, you'll see the connections and you can't not see it. You can't unsee it. And then you'll realize, Oh, this is also simple. So it's the baby steps. So that's why I appreciate your role because you're, you're taking that through science, but you're leading them to where to like cohesion, unity, etc. So it's wonderful. I'm glad I found you. Oh, I appreciate that, Kenford. Likewise, likewise. Yeah. So, how does spirituality look like for you on a day to day basis? Not in a woo sense, but I'm sure it has shaped your life, you know, shaped your priorities and focuses. It used to be, I don't know if it used to be just physical, but in your posts, you seem to make it a priority, right? And how has that yeah. impacted your well-being in general? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, I would say, um, number one, I, I just feel like my under, my understanding of this this information just helps me to live as as best as best as I can in terms of living in kindness. Um, you know, in my interactions with other people, in my interactions with my family, right? So there's just this low-lying awareness. There's this awareness always running in the background of of wanting to to be kind to people. Like I am, it, it really, I believe has, it, it's just there. I, I, maybe it's, I think it's strengthened over time, you know, as I've been recognizing this more and more, but it's just like, it's not hard to be kind. It's not hard to do the right thing. Um, and so that's, that's just number one in terms of just me as a human being. The other aspect is like, I express gratitude so much more as well. And that was a practice that I had to start doing, right. You know, something that I had to, I really kind of had to coach into myself, but then again, it became, um, second nature. And I truly believe that in those expressions of gratitude, I'm transforming the water before me, the food before me, I'm transforming the space around me. So I start every day sunrise with a, with a, um, with a prayer. Actually, I started with the prayer of St. Francis, believe it or not, which is something that I memorized as a kid. Right. But it really does inform me, like make me a channel of your peace where there is hatred. Let me bring your love where there's despair in life. Let me bring hope. Like there's a lot, all of a sudden I came across it again as an adult. And I was just like, this this is, uh, this is who I want to be, right? I want to be this channel. And that, that took on a whole new need, a whole new concept as well, because I'm like, wow, well, I, I am a channel, right? I am an antenna. I am a receiver and I want to be a receiver of this so I can give it out into the world. Um, and so that, that's just been a really, I've loved that practice of, of saying that prayer in the morning and then gratitude, just expressing gratitude for the opportunity to be that, that, you know, um, that, that, source of information that can hopefully further love and light in the universe. That's basically what I say. It's like, you know, God make me a channel of your peace that allows me to help people connect to you. And for me, God is the ether, right? That's what we return to. We return to source. And so I just want people to understand, like, you know, we're all coming back to source. And so um I feel like it's just in um it's it's subtle. But at the same time, it's always there, right? I don't know, but it's hard to describe it like that, that spirituality or that, that, that gratitude, that energy is just a part of me. It's just always with me. Um, 
And it's, I don't know, I feel, I, I feel comfort. I feel comfort in, in just expressing mm. that, being able to have that with me and to express that gratitude and just to have that as a, as a background, like you said, as like something that's informing my body all the time. It's just been, it's been, been pretty powerful and pretty profound. Um, and I feel great, Kenford, right? Like I feel like I truly am in my best health. I can honestly say I wake up every morning thriving. And so I'm certain that has that comes into play with it as well. If I'm if I'm basically just um the emotions that I'm putting out are creating coherent energy in my biofield that circles back through me, I know that it's a self-reinforcement, right? It's continuing to reinforce this I this, you know, ability to thrive. So that's that's what I got to say about that right now. <laughs> Most people don't even know that what you described as a possibility because a lot of people in my day-to-day life I run into, like you said, it's, it's like static. They, they don't, they don't really like, that's, I don't know how to describe it, but if I look at the person, I see who they are, but there's static. Like, oh, I'm tired. Um, there's their minds running all these little symptoms and like, you know, nuances that you can pick up. If I had to put one word on it, it's static. So spirituality, which is the unmanifest version and then quantum biology. There's a lot of parallels between the two. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you see it like connecting to source, right? That we're doing that on two dimensions. And so if we're connecting, we disconnected ourselves from the earth. And now we see chronic disease, but we've also disconnected ourselves from source. Yes, thousand percent. And there's like the parallels are so uncanny. Mm-hmm. Well, and then disconnecting from the source of the earth itself, where we build up static on the line, right? Disconnecting from source here, we build static in the line as well. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. all of that, all of that. There's <laughs> so many parallels with it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like there's, I feel like people are are afraid to believe in a higher energy. There's a lot of people who don't want to, mm-hmm. you know, and like you said, there's a, there's a lot of political nature behind being yeah. religious, right? I think that's part of it too. Um, I feel like, and you know, I, I've been open with this. I'm a Catholic, but I feel like I, there's so much politics when I say that there's a lot of judgment when I say that, but my expression of Catholicism, I find is just beautiful, right? I love I love my prayers and I love, I actually love going to church. Uh, I love singing. I love, you know, there's so many aspects of the community with that as well. Um, and so, well, yeah, our, you know, we could probably go back in history and talk about the horrors of different, different, um, religious powers. Um, but I think that that's, uh, but I think that part of it as well, I think people are almost embarrassed to say that they believe in God or that they practice a certain religion because somehow yeah. it associates them with something right something that, that they don't want to be associated with mm-hmm. no that's definitely what i see around too there's this kind of you know there's this unspoken thing like no you don't mention god you know it's kind of taboo and uh, i do this in my work there's this one guy we talk about god openly and i can feel like <laughs> i can feel the energy kind of shift where in the room it's like there they go again kind of thing but <laughs> but you know it's Science has dominated for the past how many years, you know, and we've, we thought we discovered the key to life and now we've kind of taken it and, you know, a firm grasp, but we're eventually going to realize like the materialistic viewpoint is very, it's hyper left brained. It doesn't account for everything. Um, It's basically saying fight night infinity can account for infinity which is just not true. So I'm comfortable with it. You're comfortable with it. But there is a lot of people who are, you know, they find that shield, that barrier um, to someone who's like openly open about it. How would you introduce someone to that dimension of life? Because I would say like near death experiences, like if look at those and then there's stories about reincarnation those two are, you know, those uh, blow the science probably usually will not explain that via materialistic, mechanistic um, ways. So how would you introduce someone to this exactly side? Exactly what you said. Like, listen to, I mean, listen to a podcast or read a book about near-death experiences because it's fascinating, right? 
uh, to, to get those insights. Um, not that every near-death experience is beautiful, right? I have had people reach out and, and say that they had a really rough time with that, but like there are some profound near-death experiences that I think can be, um, can really alter one's viewpoint about what really is, what's not, like you said, what's not material, what is there all the mm-hmm. time, what's all around us and all encompassing and always there, but just something that we can't physically see, we can't touch, we, we, we can't, we can't, um, sense it. Um, and so that's one way. And the other way I, I find it fascinating to listen to conversations about people who can remember their past lives. You know, another one, right? Where it's just like, you know, you you talk to children, like why would a ch- how could a child make this up? Or and I, that's another one. It's like go to children uh, who have had near death experiences and children who can remember their past lives that event can be physically traced to. They'll describe what their who their family was. They'll describe you know who they were, and they can physically trace it back to an actual person in history or a moment in time. Th- those are just such interesting things that I think are really eye opening for people to say, oh. okay, what's more than this physical life? Like what what really is also there, and then you know, what's my, what's my job or what's my goal in this physical life? You know, is it to make a ton of money? Is it to become really popular and rich and famous? Uh, Is it to own a really fancy car? It's like, no, I don't like from my, all of my knowledge and understanding, it's like we reincarnate basically until we find love, until we recognize (laughs) we can live in love, you know, (laughs) it's like, and so it's just been, it's been eye opening for me to be like, okay, I've been given these gifts. I think, I think, I think God or divine creator, whatever name you want to get it. Cause we don't, I don't want that to, uh, to be polarizing to people, <laughs> but gives you gifts that you can use in this life to get to that point. And I feel like I've been given the gift of understanding science, but the more I'm understanding science, the more I'm understanding it's all about. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> that's very well said from a scientific person <laughs> <laughs> there, <laughs> there are two hemispheres you know it's on the same on the same globe so uh i'm loving this conversation carrie it's very much needed I love it too, Ken. I was like, maybe we'll talk about why wide band gap semiconduction. Like, you know, but I'm like, this is awesome. I was not expecting this, but I'm loving it. <laughs> yeah. No, I want it because I know you can be very technical, and I definitely wanted that was one aspect I wanted to explore with you, like technicalities, because you usually you know the technical side to communicate it and simplify it to the lay public and there's like value in knowing details but at the same time we have so much of that you know you can just listen to jack cruz you can read to you can read his blogs that's the details all there but there's this practical because i had to come to a decision myself like am i gonna really dive down this rabbit hole like carrie has you know that's a lot of time and energy how do i want to distribute my 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 energy like that and if she's farther down that rabbit hole and she's come to that one conclusion that love is all that matters <laughs> it's like uh should i just focus on what matters more because i can know enough to communicate to people the physical side but i can also focus on love more and embody it more and that in of itself will the embodiment is what matters because I know people see you in the community and they know like you're very smiley. Um, your vibe, Zenny, like her and I know each other in um in real life. And and I introduced yeah, I introduced you to her. And the first time she came on your QA, she was like, Oh my god, Carrie's like she's glowing. <laughs> she has such a good vibe. <laughs> and oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Zenny? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just some context for you. And I don't know. I'm sure one thing I will say is that I didn't I used to not care about I used to not care for God. I didn't really care about the question. Kind of just lived my life and wanted to make money and all the typical stuff. But then you like then the experiences happen and you're in this pit and then eventually god brings you out and and from this like new perspective of you know source i'll say i'll say that nihilism 
has been annihilated. Life is so full of meaning and purpose now in this new context. And I'm, I'll tell you right now that seeing around me, nihilism is an epidemic. You know, there's this pointlessness, you know, like we're all going to die one day kind of thing. Might as well get everything while we can, you know, escape, escape, escape. There's that background of everyone's lives. And I'm like, yeah, I suffer from like failing my purpose. Maybe I'll feel like a failure, but I don't feel purposeless at all. Never. And I'm sure you can relate. You have a whole community of souls you serve. Like there's, I'm sure there's nothing that fills your heart more than that. Right. I am, I am just honored every morning to wake up and be like, I get to talk to a bunch of people and like put out a post and hopefully inspire someone else to kind of like consider this a little bit more. And it's, it's the coolest thing ever. You're absolutely right. And then with that comes, you know, pressure too, right. To be like, I want to make sure I'm, I'm teaching the right stuff and I want to make sure I'm, you know, in, influencing in the best capacity possible. And, and, um, but yeah, you're, you're right. That per- I think that's the worst thing one could feel is purposeless, mm-hmm. right? Like without purpose, then, then, you know, it, what, what really is there? I, and so uh, you're, you hit the nail on the head. My biggest fear is not fulfilling my purpose or not doing the best, my best job at yeah. fulfilling my purpose. Absolutely. But gosh, that, that, the thought that there's, that there's so many people waking up without purpose and just feeling that, that just, I mean, it just, it just has this lifeless energy. It just has such an, an energy stealing, uh, you know, feeling associated with it that it's just sad. <laughs> mm-hmm. When someone's like suicidal, if you think about it, they're probably at a point where they're convinced that there's no more love in the li- in life if that it's so part it's so much a part of us it is who we are that if we're convinced that there's none of it for us in this life life becomes not worth living isn't that that speaks to how much you know love is missed out on yet 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 we're afraid of it you know isn't that isn't that super interesting too it's so right. weird. Oh, so much, so much to unpack with that, right? Absolutely. You know, and here's the deal too. I think love is thrown around in a lot of different ways. Like, um, but we we the the English language is the worst, I think, just because we we use the word love for, you know, a lot of different things. Like yeah. I, I can love cookies, I can love my husband, I can love, you know. Um, and it's not that you and I and I think someone who's never experienced love might be intimidated by this. I had one woman call me, um, like I I had a, I had a chat with her and she told me her experience where she um, you know, did, couldn't feel love like for herself, but she knew that she had to put you know basically love herself and and basically um, and she wanted to imprint her water with love, and so she couldn't love she she did not have any love for her own physical body, her own mental body, nothing. She only loved her children. She loved her, her, her husband. She loved her dog. So she started thinking that love into the glass of water. And, um, at, when she drank that first glass of water, she was violently ill, violently sick, but she knew that it had changed something. And my, my take on that one was that, um, she was so out of tune with love that it was such a jarring frequency to kind of put back in. It was a very, uh, very uh you know mm. earth earthquake like effect in terms of trying to retune her body back to that wavelength um but over time she kept doing it over time she finally developed her own self-love and she loves herself she's thriving again but you don't have to love yourself if that's where you're not if that's not where you're at right now what could what do you love right it, it, it's not about you know necessarily like oh life is great nothing ever goes wrong you know we don't we don't need to spirit spiritual bypass anything but i think we can recognize things that are in our lives that are very small but maybe something that shows love or gives us joy or something we're grateful for and so that's why that's i think a really a, a entry point for someone who is suicidal it's yeah, you have to start maybe expanding your your eyes in terms of what what is there in your world that you can express a little bit of gratitude for or you know is there something that you love maybe it's not yourself but do you love your cat do you love your 
Do you love your chinchilla? Right. I mean, I, I, I think, I think we, we, we say love and we, we want it to be this really big word and this really mm-hmm. big emotion, really impactful. And it's like, if you're not there, that's okay. You can start very small, but you can get there. Because as you start to embody love more and more and interact with that emotion and tune into that emotion, it fills your biofield and it comes back into you. And that's just a self-reinforcing, strengthening cycle. That's why they say, you know, again, then the emotions that you put out come back to you. Yes, it's in your biofield, but then you begin resonating a specific frequency that draws more of those people to you. So then now in your life, you're interacting with more people whom you love or whom you enjoy their company, right? And then it just starts to build and build and build. But everything's happening at that vibrational level. But that, that love word, I think, is very hard for a lot of people to um, to interact with, just as the same, the same as God is a tough word for people to interact with. If, if they're a non-believer, uh, it's really tough. And if they don't love themselves or they don't have love or, or experience what they, they consider is love, um, I don't know, I think a lot of people are going to put, put up a wall to that word. Isn't it interesting how both love and God have a have this like, but it's it's basically and they're the same the thing. Same thing. <laughs> yeah, they, <laughs> they both there's this like, uh, but then it's the same thing. That's that's another cool thing. I just connected with you talking. Oh my god! So to 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 wrap this episode off, let's go like geeky and nerdy for a moment. So how does how does like me loving manifest? Because you know how like cold increases the the uv light signal inside of us is there a way that love could do that too like if i feel this love would there be like a a manifestation of light that gets strengthened well what's what is love what what, like what what's 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 this emotion that we're putting out it's a magnetic field and anytime we run a magnetic we apply a magnetic field you induce electric currents Right. So you're strengthening your electrical signaling all throughout your body simply from love, simply from that emotion right there. Um, and so that's, that's the quality of it. it. It's got a magnetic quality to it. And it's got, you know, it's that magnetic quality also organizes the water molecules inside of us, right? Because our, every water molecule has a dipole. It's called, it's like a part, one end of it that's a little bit more negative, one end of it that's a little more positive, right? So that's a, it's like a mag, a mini magnet that's kind of precessing. It's moving, it's wiggling. And once you apply a magnetic field to it, it starts to organize, right? And that organization is coherence. So again, yeah, it, it's all affecting our physical body. It's affecting the light. It's affecting the water. It's affecting, um, you know, the, like I said, the expression of our genes. It, it's, it's uh, affecting which molecules our body is making at any given time. Um, but yeah, it can totally strengthen the light inside of us. But you can imagine then how someone, why? So, I mean, I would say strength. I view the I view the light in our body as like being passed along in these coherent lasers, like mm-hmm. like that we can't see. Right? It's basically this this ultraviolet light that's that's in, in, in like these really coherent lasers that's being distributed to the body where it needs. You can imagine if we're not providing a strong enough magnetic signal that that energy can, can, can weaken, right? That electric current can weaken, that electric flow can weaken. And then, whereas if we touch the earth, right? If we get in contact with, with the earth's magnetic field, if we give ourselves love and strengthen that biofield and that magnetic flow through us, then all of a sudden those lasers are now co- going to coherently distribute their information, you know, their energy, right? And so that's what I kind of view it as. It's like this ability to re- just reinforce the electric, the electrical nature of our bodies. It's already there. Oh, reinforce the electrical nature of our bodies. That's that's perfect. Awesome. So <laughs> <laughs> that is how love manifests physically, you guys. So it's a physical, physiological phenomenon. So Carrie, in the context of this episode, what what last words would you have for someone listening to this, especially if the, um, they're like not familiar or they have that guard you know, they maybe they don't place love in that same pedestal. Like, yeah, it's good to be kind to people, but we're talking like it's the umbrella, you know? So what would you say? You know, the first thing that I think, um, this is because this, the, this recommendation is because one of the activities I do with almost all of my clients is I do a mindset exercise. And in that mindset exercise, one of the things I want them to do is list basically in right in the present tense, what the thriving version of themselves is like, get really detailed. 
And then I want them to embody that thriving version of themselves. And I want them to um, list emotions they associate with it. And that's the hardest part. People can't embody that and then feel what emotions they're going to feel. And so the the emotion that everyone can feel that I've, that I've found is gratitude. They can mm. feel grateful. It's like, I am grateful that that is me. That is the, the, the thriving version of myself that I'm embodying. And so I tell people, you got to start with a gratitude practice. It could be thanking the sunrise, right? It could be, you know, being grateful for the plate of food that's been delivered to you. You know, it's like, but the more we can express gratitude, I think that shifts things profoundly. Because if I can start to be grateful for this conversation with you, and I could be grateful for the beautiful fall colors all around me, it changes, it really starts to strengthen and change that resonant quality of me. I become an antenna for more things that I find gratitude for, right? Things that maybe then bring me joy. And then that all of a sudden I think starts to really manifest and starts starts to bring love into the picture. Um, you're not just going to find love, right? You're not just going to go out there and be like, love, love, love. And so I, th- I feel like a, gr- a practice of gratitude is a very, very profound way to get there and to get to that feeling of, wow, yes, there is this all-encompassing thing called love. Um, but you're not, I, it, it, there's no direct path, just like, yep, ding, go ahead and reel in the love. It's like, but I think gratitude <laughs> is a really good, good way to start to get there. <laughs> it's something you practice and it's something you must embody and you don't just find it. You don't just wake up one day and you feel blissed out on love, right? Right. Exactly. So. That's exactly. And that's, I think that's, um, I think that's what you alluded to earlier, where, where escapism comes into play, right? It's like people maybe want to feel that love and they just don't know how to get to it. But there is a roadmap to get there. And I, I found gratitude to be a pretty powerful one. Oh, so well said. Awesome. This has been a, a fantastic episode, Carrie. I've connecting a lot of thoughts. Thank you so much for having me here. This has been great. Yeah. Oh, I'm so grateful for this conversation, like, like you said. And... I don't know. I hope you guys just take into account this other aspect of health, of 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 just reality in general. We focus a lot on physicality, but there's two there's two dimensions that we're working with in this. And I really want to connect a lot of dots with this podcast. So maybe I'll title it "The Biophysics of Love" or something like that. Oh, that's fun. I like that. But <laughs> <laughs> just to introduce it to people, but. Yeah, thank you so much, Carrie, for coming on. And it was a pleasure jamming on love with you. Yeah, thanks, Kenford. I've loved this conversation. So I really appreciate you. Thank you so much. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that concludes this episode of the Lighthouse Podcast. And I'll see you back next time. Cheers.